Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending bright daily capsules, powered by Neurobloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors, available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius Podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Alex Hussein. Uh, he's the co-founder of 3dchimera.com, 3dchimera.com. Uh, they're a distributor for uh, 3D printed shoes and other 3D printed products. Uh, another website to reference is sintratech.com, S-I-N-T-R-A-T-E-C.com. So Alex, welcome. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tell me about a bit about your background and how you got involved in the uh, 3D printing industry. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm a mechanical engineer by training. I practiced for about 10 years uh, doing new product development, um, all sorts of different types of products. And uh, throughout that time, I found myself, uh, you know, working with 3D printing every day. And uh, in um, 2013, we decided to take the plunge and start our own business specifically in the 3D printing space. So today we're a distributor for large variety of uh, brands of 3D printers, uh, specifically Centratech is one of our leading products. And uh, we also use all that equipment to produce products here in-house as well. Um, so we're both operators and distributors of this equipment. Yeah, and one of the products, I guess, is uh, what, 3D printed shoes? Is that uh, a main one or an interesting one that you distribute? Yeah, you know, that's definitely an interesting thing. It's catching a lot of attention these days. The SLS technology that we work with um, is an excellent technology for creating really complex shapes and producing uh, customized parts. And so uh, 3D printed shoes certainly fall within that category. In regards to 3D printed shoes, I know that you're the distributor. You don't necessarily make them. But um, 
don't know. What are some of the interesting features or uh, cool things that, you know, you may have seen from end customers? What are some of the challenges in like the 3D printed shoe industry? Yeah. So um, I'd say 3D printed shoes is not quite an industry yet. 3D printing has found its way into uh, the shoe market, though. And so um, it's really excellent for shoe designers to realize their ideas and to kind of push the limits of what the technology is capable of. So in traditional shoemaking, uh, there's a lot of stock materials that are cut and glued, um, maybe formed. And then all of that is a, a large amount of assembly in order to, to put the shoe together. And so the only way to really produce anything customized is to make it by hand. And it tends to be very, very expensive. And so uh, 3D printing or the additive manufacturing process can open up some opportunities there um, because we can create all the geometry in the machine itself. And so when the parts come out, they come out in like a powder cake. It's almost like an archaeological dig um, where the parts are kind of encased in powder. And then we brush them off, blow the powder off of the parts. Then you have your functional part there. So it's excellent for really complicated shapes. It would be impossible to produce out of, let's say, leather or other types of plastics that aren't built layer by layer. So that's really where we have our, our key advantage in 3D printing is by building objects layer by layer. Okay. So um, what are some of the challenges when you print stuff layer by layer? I guess you can create really complex internal features, you know, void spaces, things like that. But what are some of the benefits of doing that? And what are some of the drawbacks or difficulties with this, with this approach? Yeah. Well, let's start with some of the benefits. So um, when you're doing 3D printing and you're building an object layer by layer, you absolutely can create these really complicated shapes that that seem kind of mind bending when you look at them. Um, in 3D printing, we typically call these like lattice structures. So these are going to be kind of open grid patterns that can have all sorts of creative and, and beautiful three dimensional shapes to them. Those can often be decorative, which we sometimes see, but they also can be truly functional. So you can imagine if we created a highly dense pattern in a certain area of a shoe that could add more resistance than let's say in an open pattern and a more open pattern might uh, create more flexibility. So while there's not a lot of companies out there today that have really um, been riding forward with additive manufacturing and, and true production of shoes, um, all of these things are on the table and are, are true capabilities of the technology. So on the positive note, we can make customized things that fit your fit perfectly, that maybe accommodate to your unique anatomy, um, and certainly that, that have a unique uh, geometry to them that otherwise uh, might seem kind of crazy to look at because other technologies are just not capable of producing them. Now, on the weakness side, uh, we are producing the objects layer by layer, right? So that opens up all these opportunities, but it also means that's a lot of layers, right? So when we're building a shoe that, um, you know, is maybe uh, a couple hundred millimeters long and we're producing it with uh, layers of, of polymer that are 0.1 millimeters each, so 100 micron millimeter layers, that is a very, very thin uh, layer and it requires hundreds if not thousands of layers to uh, produce the height of an entire shoe. So while the process itself is fundamentally quick, when you're stacking that many layers together, um, it can take some time to produce an individual shoe. So it's not going to be appropriate for like major mass production in its current form today. Um, we could be looking at a print time of like 12 to 24 hours just for a single shoe as it stands today. Um, what about the, uh, you know, the shear forces between and amongst the layers, are you able to structure them in a way where the layers give it more strength than a monolithic, you know, let's say a foam extrusion? Like what are the material properties differences in your methods? Yeah, so, you know, a shoe is traditionally made of a lot of different materials that come together. So you, know, you might have leathers, you might have canvas, you might have foams, uh, you might have, you know, 
other types of rubbers and all these things are bonded together. And so it's a true composite part that's made of a whole bunch of different types of, of things. Now in 3D printing, uh, at least in the technologies that we work in, we're gonna produce the parts out of a singular material. And so all of our mechanical properties are gonna have to come from that part. So in design, you can get mechanical properties from the material or you can get mechanical properties from the geometry. And in this case, we have to take advantage of geometry in order to get the mechanical properties we're looking for. So in areas where we need it to be uh, soft, we're gonna need to have thinner walls. We're gonna need to have less dense sections. In areas where we wanna have stiffness, it's gonna need to be more dense and it's gonna need to have thicker walls. And so um, those are just some new design constraints. And when designers really understand that, they can step back um, and based on that understanding of the process, come up with creative approaches. And those often lead to shoes that look totally different than what we see today. But um, 3D printed parts are absolutely capable of being totally functional end use parts. Now, you know, we haven't seen a lot of folks running around on these fully 3D printed shoes out of this particular process, um, but that's not to say that they couldn't be used in real life. Um, right now, most of the designers are using these to help bring their ideas to life and create like a singular proof of concept type of prototype. But again, in a regular shoe, you know, I don't know, we may have uh, six or eight or 10 different bonded surfaces, as you call it. But with 3D printing layer upon layer, you have hundreds or thousands of different layers that I guess, potentially could shear against each other and slide. And, you know, so mm -hmm. what kind of, I don't know, what can you do? Can you put um, fingers and material that go above and below a, below a layer to make it interlock and make it even stronger than if you just use glue? Or, you know, what does this allow you to do to make materials even more strong or yeah. have the properties you want? That's a great question. So, you know, in, in the additive process, what we're doing is we're, we're actually, we're bonding a polymer in each layer. So, while they are individual layers, each layer is actually fully melting into the one before it. And so the structure that gets created is effectively a monolithic structure. Um, there are technically some very minor weaknesses depending on the orientation of your part um, inside of the build volume. But, but fundamentally, we can think of it as a singular material with common mechanical strength. So uh, in the same way that it would be challenging to, let's say, uh, take a sheet of foam and just kind of rip it with your bare hands, that's what a 3D printed part is going to feel like. It's going to be Altogether, uh, one monolithic structure. We're not gonna like peel it apart like pieces of paper or anything like that. The, the interlayer bonding is um, a truly, let's say mechanical and chemical interlock between them. The, the materials are cross-linking together as they get built. Yeah, no, that's great. Do you put in uh, sinus-like structures, you know, for airflow, for breathability, for, I don't know, I guess, you know, internal geometries and, again, specific void spaces that would lend to the material properties being beneficial in the way you want? That's definitely the sort of thing we're starting to see designers do. So, you know, for the most recent contest that we put together at Centratech, we had designers from all around the world put together submissions in order to take advantage of this new technology. And so uh, some cases, those were students. In some cases, those were professional shoe designers working at all the big brands that we know and love. And um, what we've seen is that, a lot of folks did take advantage of the technology in order to, to create airflow, um, in order to create new closure systems, in order to create uh, new ways to make it bond closely to your foot, and also to feel comfortable when using it. And so, you know, I think really the creativity is is up to the designers themselves. And the more they can understand about the process, the more creative opportunities we can see. And it's, you know, it's really interesting because 3D printers fundamentally are quite simple. I mean, they actually are like, some of the world's simplest robots, right? They're just moving in X, Y, and Z directions and they're having a laser kind of trace a shape. And then we, we move up a layer and we do the same thing. 
And so um, it doesn't take a whole lot of complexity from a machine to produce a highly complex result, which is kind of a neat trade-off and not something that you would typically see with other more traditional manufacturing processes. Well, you talked about the thickness of a layer being, I believe, 100 microns. What kind of feature sizes can you get, you know, in the XY plane direction? And I would guess as you get smaller and smaller feature sizes, at some point, you'll be able to generate monolithic appearing materials that have, you know, like a, a manufactured porosity. Like you can make yeah. a, a foam that's used normally in, you know, again, in sneakers and the, in the sole, but you could have a, a 10% lower or higher porosity where average pore size could be different if you can control those features and then really change the materials and hone them as you want. Yeah, absolutely. I think today, a lot of times folks, when they think about 3D printing, are thinking more in terms of lattice structures than they are in terms of traditional foams. And that's just because um, we have the ability to build those lattices, which are both beautiful and functional, um, into the parts. But absolutely, um, those things can be fine-tuned. As far as like minimum feature sizes go, we're, we're mainly constrained by the the diameter of the point of a laser that is like tracing uh, the object. So um, we usually recommend that uh, we don't have any feature sizes or walls thinner than about a half a millimeter in cross-section in order to get a nice detailed part that comes out. So I guess as lasers get uh, a higher frequency, your feature size can also decrease and you can get even more specific with materials. Yeah, it's possible. I think, you know, right now all of the parts are centered using a singular laser inside the system. So the diameter of that laser has to be designed to produce small features, but also to make the process fast enough to make nice, you know, strong walls on the outside of the part as well. And so uh, there's a little bit of a balance there, but I'm sure, yeah, in the future, there could be uh, finer dot lasers that could produce even more fine features. And what kind of materials are you able to work with and which ones are harder to work with? Yeah, so the Citratech SLS machines are open material systems, so we can run a huge variety of materials. The two stock materials that come on all systems are going to be PA12 nylon, which is the uh, standard material that we see in SLS 3D printing. Uh, so if any of your listeners are familiar with doing SLS 3D printing from mechanical prototypes, um, that's going to be the, the typical material that they're going to see. And we also have this TPE material. Now, the TPE is a thermoplastic elastomer, which is basically the best way to think of that is it's kind of like a, a material that might traditionally be used for like an injection molded rubber. And so what we're doing here is we're taking that same raw material and we're centering it layer by layer. And that allows us to get these really unique properties. So uh, the base material durometer um, ranges a little bit. Um, it's durometer is an interesting feature because it's kind of highly dependent on part geometry. But we're seeing softnesses range from approximately like 40A to about 60A, which is very, very soft as far as 3D printing goes. And the TPE from Citratech is one of the softest materials available on the market, um, which is one of the reasons why it's such a great candidate for producing these shoe prototypes. Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent pending bright daily capsules powered by NeuroBloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors, available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. 
Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. Okay. What do you see as the future of 3D printing? Like what, I don't know, big obstacles in the industry are there that everyone's trying to overcome? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 3D printing in, in itself is a relatively new technology. And so there's there's always room for improvement almost any direction you look. So, you know, on the machine side, of course, you make machines faster and bigger that can produce more parts simultaneously. On the material side, there's there's tons of room for uh, new material developments. And I think we're going to see those coming out every day. You know, and a lot of times people look at at the uh, additive manufacturing world from a couple different lenses. So, you know, from a, a prototyping technology, it's a fantastic fit. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of folks taking advantage of the technology for that really at scale. For mass production of small parts, it's also an excellent fit. We can produce, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of parts in a single batch, which makes it very competitive with traditional manufacturing. And for applications where there's a high amount of human labor for larger parts, it's also an excellent fit because we take that labor out of the process. Now, of course, in all these cases, we may have to have some uh, design tweaks for the additive process. And that's another area where there's there's really room. Um, and right now in most uh, universities, high schools, technical schools, additive manufacturing is being referenced as something that's, you know, on the bleeding edge for the future. But there's very little education formally about that. There's you know not many university programs. There's hardly any courses. Um, so most people really learn how to do that on the job. And um, that's really preventing the industry from taking off in the way that it needs to. So you know, there's there's room on the machine side, the material side, the education side, really all around. There's there's opportunity for growth. Well, to the layperson, what's possible that they may not realize is possible? And what do they think? Oh, why don't we have that? But it's going to be very difficult to get. Yeah. Well, I think 3D printing is such an interesting thing because it's really crossed over into, let's say, popular culture. And so, you know, you see 3D printing sometimes on television shows and movies. And in most of those applications, what you're seeing there feels so fantastic. Uh, but those things are most of the time not real. So, you know, we're not 3D printing hearts or 3D printing kidneys or 3D printing a new arm. Um, you know, we're not 3D printing, you know, weapons and 3D printing, all the things that we hear about on the news. Most of the time, companies that are looking at additive manufacturing are looking at it as a way to supplement their traditional manufacturing technique. So these machines live alongside CNC machines, lathes, milling machines, injection molding machines, and they really require, you know, deep engineering knowledge, a strong under understanding of 3D design and the fundamentals of design. And with that, you have this incredible tool that can do so many new things. But without that, um, it's really just uh, another piece of equipment. And uh, sometimes companies that are adopting additive don't don't realize that it does really require all these unique skill sets to kind of come together in order to, to have success there. And it, it isn't quite as easy to go out and hire a, a skilled 3D printing technician, particularly on industrial equipment as it might be to go hire, let's say, a CNC operator or line worker in a traditional manufacturing plant. And so those are some challenges that the, the industry faces and, uh, you know, maybe slows things down a little bit. But there's a there's a lot of really interesting things that are are done in, in the additive process that, that probably folks are dealing with every day and they, they may not even realize it. You know, as a, you know, somebody who works in this space all the time, I'm always like keen to kind of see what's out there. 
I mean, you can go on Amazon today and there are things on there that you can buy that are sold by independent parties that are 3D printed. There are whole companies that have uh, businesses producing 3D custom printed parts on on Amazon. There are service bureaus throughout the country that produce 3D printed parts for consumers and especially for B2B customers. Um, there are automotive parts being produced by you know, traditional automotive manufacturers that are running inside vehicles every day. There are 3D printed parts on the planes that we ride in. There's 3D printed parts in you know, medical devices and laboratory equipment. So it's, it's interesting that additive has found its way into almost every industry that produces physical objects, yet it still feels a little bit like a mystery to, to so many folks on, in the normal world. Well, I've heard like 3D printed stuff can be great, but uh, you still need more traditional manufacturing to finish off items. You know, they can get, let's say, the, the bulk steps done, but the finishes are, are not really amenable for 3D printing. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. You know, I think sometimes th- 3D printing doesn't get a fair shake uh, here. And, you know, I think a lot of folks, you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who would say, you know, maybe that a, a table saw isn't, you know, up to snuff because you have to stain the wood and sand it afterwards, or that an injection molding machine isn't up to snuff because you have to cut the sprues off and maybe polish the parts, or that a, a CNC part or technology isn't up to snuff because you have to go back and polish the parts to remove the tool marks or powder coat them or paint them. So like any traditional manufacturing process, 3D printing is not magic. It does require traditional finishing. And if you accept that it's just a manufacturing process rather than uh, maybe like a miracle tool, then I think that it is very similar to what you would see in other traditional manufacturing processes. Again, it's a tool. So it produces amazing parts in a unique way. But yeah, if you really want to produce them and have them uh, be consumer facing, they may need to be sanded, they may need to be polished, they may need to be sealed, they may need to be painted, they may need to be coated in ceramic, maybe you want to coat them in metal. There's all sorts of different things that we can do to a 3D printed part in order to um, enhance the aesthetic uh, characteristics, but also the mechanical characteristics. Each of those those techniques can dramatically affect the way that a part works and feels, and um, that can be used to your advantage as well in the design process. Well, very good. Well, Alex, what's the best way for uh, people to find out more about your work, where can they go? Absolutely. Yeah, well, you can always visit us at 3dchimera.com. Or um, if you want, you can always just connect with me on LinkedIn. Just look up Alex Hussein. And I should pop right up there on the top for 3D Chimera. And uh, we'd be happy to work with folks who are interested in learning more about shoes, interested in learning more about the additive process in general. We work with companies all across the country to implement this technology and help solve different manufacturing challenges. And we'd love to talk with folks. Very good. Alex, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been a good call. You bet. Thank you. Do you struggle with concentration? Have you ever thought of your brain health long-term? Bomar Nutrition is revolutionizing the nootropic and cognitive health industry with sharp nootropic powder and patent-pending bright daily capsules, powered by NeuroBloom. If you struggle with focusing, think of Sharp as brain food that supports concentration. Sharp works with your natural brain chemistry to provide a heightened sense of well-being that can delay cognitive decline and also increase mood. Bomar Sharp tastes amazing and comes in many different flavors, available in caffeinated and non-caffeinated versions. While Sharp is a short-term aid in cognitive health, think of Bright Daily Capsules as a way to improve overall brain health and prevent cognitive decline long-term. As we age, so does our brain. Supplementing with Bright has the potential to delay this aging process and helps your brain function optimally. Stay ahead of the curve and order yours today at bomarnutrition.com and save $5 off with code GENIUS5. 
If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.